Welcome into the Sports and the World podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Hope all of you are well and safe out there. And how are you, my friend? Hey, you know, I'm just making it through another week. One step closer to uh, to kickoff, one college kickoff, baseball postseason. We're just, you know, good time of year, man. Favorite, favorite, favorite season is sports season. Don't mind fall and pumpkins and pumpkin spice lattes. I'm about, I'm, I'm about the football and baseball seasons. Yeah, it's something about this part of the like something about like toward like August September we get into that stretch, and we just kind of get in that loop again, back into we're getting like I say football, baseball, basketball. Well, bat. Well, yeah. Pre, if you watch preseason basketball, but, but always a good time. Next week I think we'll do some college football. Do a little probably who our top four will be. So, but that's next week. Let's focus on this week and talk about the AFC and NFC. AFC and NFC North to wrap up going around the wagon, um, talking about the pre previewing the teams for the season. So it just feels, Chris, with these two divisions, it kind of feels one, one's very interesting to me, and I'll get to it when I talk about it. And the other one, I kind of feel one team could be a very interesting, a very sexy Super Bowl pick, but I'll get to that when it's my turn on the circle. But Chris, the floor is yours. All right, so I'm going to start off with the uh, with the AFC North. I'm going to kind of start at the bottom and work my way up. So at the bottom, uh, I, and I think this could be a unanimous agreement, um, I think that the Browns will be bottom barrel. Um, so I've got them going 3-14. and 14. Ooh. I, I do not have them playing well this season. So look at the situation. You have a team that just went out and spent two hundred plus million on a quarterback. That's not going to play yeah. first season. Um, I know it's still you know kind of up in the air. Um, what how this is going to go down with the John Watson? Um, you know he he's got the the he got the entire season that he's done for right. Uh he's got yeah. I have- 11 games and a $5 million suspension. Yeah. Well, fine. Excuse me. Yeah. So essentially, I mean, his, his season's done, you know, this, this year, um, Cleveland went out and wasted a lot of money on this compared to, he probably could have been signed post, uh, uh, reprimand for probably pennies on the dollar to this. Um, so you've got the, Essentially, you you've got just this joke of a team right now that was was already kind of the laughing stock because of their situation with Baker Mayfield. They brought in all this talent. They get Baker Mayfield. They get Miles Garrett. They get uh, uh, Jarvis Landry. They have Kareem Hunt. They have Nick Chubb. They had OBJ. They had all these uh, uh, personalities, we'll call them, and couldn't do anything with them. They still, they tried, they did have a winning record, but they still couldn't get to where they needed to be at the end of the day. And I think that only gets worse because now all that talent's gone. Yes, you do have uh, the addition of Amari Cooper there, but let's face it, Amari Cooper's on the back half of his career. Amari Cooper looked good with a good quarterback throwing to him. He's not going to look good with Jacoby Brissett throwing to him. Um, (laughs) 
you know, and I'm sorry, but I, you know, I'm just, I'm just being honest here. We look at Jacoby Brissett's uh, uh, standing, I guess we'll call it. It's not been great at the end of the day. So I've, I've got them staying at the bottom. Uh, like I said, at, at two and uh, uh, or excuse me, I got them uh, three and fourteen. Um, there, yeah, I think their game, their wins will come towards the back half of the season when Deshaun Watson can at least get in, maybe get lucky and get a pick me up or two. Outside of that, I, I see them having a very bleak and uh, grim season, I guess we'll call it. It's going to be a long winter, Cleveland, so buckle up. Um, moving up on the ladder, I got next is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I got them at 7 and 10. I don't have them at the complete bottom, but I don't have them coming out here and, and doing a lot. Um, so it, it's essentially, it's a new era in Pittsburgh. Big Ben is officially gone out of the picture. You've got Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. Uh, that will be what we have, what, what the city of Pittsburgh is going to have for him. Um, you know, I, I don't think that they really went out and tried to replace him this season. I think they're going to see what what happens with Pickett and or Trubisky, and then maybe start going to the draft or maybe trade for a quarterback. You know, maybe next season a Jimmy G pickup or or something along the lines of that. Who knows? Um, but I, I see that they're at least going to get seven wins. You look at their schedule. Um, you know, they've got a couple games that they've really got the favorability. And they've got the Patriots coming in in week two. I think they actually stand a chance against the Patriots. They're both young teams. I think that'll just turn into who can, what defense can stop who. Um, they've got the Jets uh, week four. And then you have uh, Cleveland in week three with no Deshaun Watson. Uh, and then you've got the Falcons on week 13. And then you have the Panthers on week 15. I know, I feel like. I feel like all I do on the show is bash the Falcons, but at least I pick on my Jets just as equal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a fair trade. It's a nice it's a nice balancing of the books. It's it's indiscriminate. I just hate everyone and everything <laughs> equally. Uh, but yeah, so I I see that. I mean, they definitely have the potential because they are playing some weaker teams on the on the the front and back half of the schedule. They got a little bit of a gauntlet in the middle, but I I think they can at least get some wins under their belt, get some confidence. Maybe Kenny Pickett's the answer. Maybe Mitch Trubisky has this resurgence and does what he should have did in Chicago, but I guess time will tell. Uh, moving up on the ladder, uh, going up into the second place for the division is the Baltimore Ravens. So I got the Ravens going in at uh, a nine and eight record. Um, they were plagued with injuries uh, last season. I think that we can unanimously agree on that. Um, one of the keys to their success this season is recoup. You've got, you know, uh, fresh, fresh set of legs on Lamar. You got fresh, healthy people coming in. You've got also, they're traveling the second fewest in miles in the, in the NFL. So they're, they're not jumping from coast to coast to coast to coast. Like some teams are every week where you're playing, in Carolina one week and then Thursday night you're in uh, Seattle and then Monday night you're in, uh, you know, New York or anything like that. So they, they do have a, a low travel schedule, a low mileage schedule, which I think does help. And, and coming from a traveler and I am not uh, an athlete by any standards, 
And I know this almost sounds like asinine saying out loud, but traveling just it it puts a beating on you sitting on a plane. I don't care if it's a luxury 747 for uh, an NFL team or uh, a, a Delta flight. They're just it's just uncomfortable at the end of the day, especially for dudes your size, you know, that are like six foot eleven and change, and you know, however tall you are. You know, like you people do not fit in airplanes. I do. Like little hobbits like me. I could fit in there, even on the little small like com- commuter jets. Man, I, dude, I, I'm I'm as snug as a bug in a rug. Uh, the tall folks, I see your knees and I feel your knees in the back of my seat, and <laughs> I don't like it. And I feel for you. Um, so shrink or just I don't know, don't sit behind me. But I think that'll help. I think that the the mitigation on travel will help Baltimore. And then also they have the 11th easiest schedule next season. So when you start putting those things together, I think that it, it gives them a little bit of a heightened advantage. And I think also to the biggest uh, and most intricate piece of this puzzle is Lamar Jackson at the end of the day. He has to prove himself. He came in with all this hype and all this hippity hoopla. And I don't think he's really showed that he's worth it, to be honest with you. He's a good player, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if he's at that elite level. I don't know if he's going to take you to the playoffs and win you a Super Bowl, I guess is what I'm saying. He has to show that this year. Now, I'm not saying that he has to go out and go win a Super Bowl this year, but I think that he needs to get he needs to get in gear. This is, this is what I say is the put up or shut up here, and I think I've said that before on, on the show. And this is his put up or shut up here. So I think Baltimore's success is solely on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson. He has to make intelligent decisions at the right time and not just try to run for 400 yards a game. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I got sitting at the top of the division is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I think that the Bengals are – the arguably the most complete package in the AFC North. And then on top of that, if you look at where they're, they're coming off of a loss of the Super Bowl, but I mean, the, for the, the fact they made it there is just complete mind blowing. Um, but I think that you look at the statistics, the reason why I've got them winning only 11 games is that they're, they are one of the top 10 hardest schedules this season. But, uh, you know, you look at, where they're going to be, where they're going to be playing, and when they're going to be playing, uh, you know, they're after their their week ten bye week, four out of their last six games are on the road: Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Tampa, New England. Pittsburgh is a hard place to play in. New England's a hard place to play in. Tampa has become a hard place to play in because of the Tom Brady effect. And then Tennessee, you know what? It's it's not easy. It's not hard, but it's still an away game. You don't have the crowd on your side. So I think that back half of the schedule is really going to determine how they fit into the playoff picture and how they're going to fit into the whole schematic of, of, of postseason ball. I think, again, out of the AFC, I think they're the most complete package, offense, defense, special teams. They're young. They're ambitious. They're playing with everything to gain and nothing to lose. They went into last season – I don't think they had the inclination of, oh, I'm going to go win the Super Bowl, you know, or I'm going to go play in the Super Bowl this season. No way in hell. If, if we would have sat today, last year, and say that the Super Bowl is going to have the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, I think 
we both would have been laughed off the air and just made fools of and and maybe checked into an insane asylum. But here we are 365 days later and that and then it happened, as they say. Um, but I, I think that they have the potential. That they play in an easier division, so they're gonna get those divisional wins they need to get that playoff spot. Once they get in the playoff spot, I think that's when the cards are gonna fall. Uh, I still think that that Joe Burrow is still blossoming. Uh, I think that him and Jamar Chase are going to have this amazing connection, and I think that they're going to come out and play some serious ball. And you know, and, and it's very interesting. I think the way we have the divisions looking, I think this may be the only division where we we might be completely one eighty on, which is fine. Descent is always it's always great for the masses when executed properly. <laughs> when I look at this division, to be the bottom for you know the race for the bottom of the division, if you want to put it that way, is I as I feel is between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. But here's the thing with Cleveland. To me, Deshaun Watson essentially being gone, you know, eleven games out of the season, that's gonna that's gonna really hurt. Now. When you look at how they built this team, and this is where I say it's very interesting, is where I think Cleveland prepared themselves for a long suspension. And I say this because to you, we talk about the contract, like in this year alone, it's not going to really cost Cleveland anything because they knew like, okay, we know he's going to get something. We just don't know what. So as I always say, and it was, it was an axiom, you hope for the best, but you always prepare for the worst. And that's what essentially what Cleveland did. Now, the the, I, the three wins, I, I don't I, – what I will say is this. I think Cleveland's defense has to kind of step up a little bit in Watson's absence. And the Jacoby Percet, journeyman guy, he has starting experience. I don't think he's the worst you know, person to have in this position. There are definitely worse options, I think we can agree. Yeah. I just think with this situation here, I think he's a very serviceable guy until Watson comes back. And he's surrounded by, you know, he's got Nick Chubb. I, the whole Kareem Hunt situation, I, I, Kareem Hunt's going to stay because Cleveland kind of controls the situation there. And to your point, they do have Amari Cooper. You know, Dave, David Njoku, the tight end, may emerge. But I, go, I look at this defense. You had Denzel Ward at the corner. You got Miles Garrett, possibly a defensive player of the year candidate. Like, I don't think they're going to be terrible, but the offense is going to be more run-focused, which probably works out for Kevin Stefanski's offense. So I kind of have them at a couple more wins, but where I split when I come to Pittsburgh is, to me, who's going to start? Because from what I've written, what I've talked about, and what I've seen, it kind of feels where if you go with Pickett, the future's now. But if you go with Trubisky, you give Pickett that year, kind of like what Big Ben had. Because remember, when Big Ben was drafted, Tommy Maddox took a lot of those snaps, you know, in the rookie season. Yeah. A veteran guy. So for Pittsburgh, their defense is behind Mike Tomlin, will not have this team finish below. It's going to be fathom to see, you know, have because now with 17 games, it's either it's either a winning season or a losing season. Now there's no 800, there's no there's no 500 season anymore. 
So it'd be curious to see how that works out. And and for Cincinnati, it's interesting. Cincinnati got better on the offensive line, which I've always said was the biggest problem. And if you go back to the draft two, I believe two years ago, where Penny Penny Sewell was on the board and they went after Jamar Chase. And and we both talked about it and we both kind of reached the same thing where like you it's a decision where do you go with the best player on the board or do you go with the best player at the position of need? It's always a classic question in these drafts. And they went with Jamar Chase, and I would like to think that it kind of paid off for Joe Burrow. I would say so. <laughs> but now they realize, okay, we got to shore up the offense, of offensive line. So they kind of went out of free agency, and they kind of addressed that problem. So I feel like they, they shored up a position of need. Now, this is where it gets interesting for me. I look at the Baltimore Ravens, and I go, if – Everyone's healthy because, like, to your point, major problem last year. You know, he, you know, players like, look at all the running backs that basically never saw the field. So, I look at it this way when everybody's healthy, Baltimore could be a team that could be in the mix in Super Bowl contender talk. And here's why I've always defended this aspect by saying this. When I look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, it feels like sometimes, you know, I have to defend Lamar Jackson. He may not need defending, but here I am defending. When they came out with, the, with ESPN, came up the list of the top 10 quarterbacks, and they put Dak ahead of Lamar, I, I'm like, this is the problem. Everybody on that list, and I think I said this on last week's show, and I'll bring it back up again. To me, to be a Super Bowl contender, you have to have – you know, one huge one part of it to have a top ten quarterback. And if you look at the guys on that list that had Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, you know, Joe Bur- those are guys who I feel are top ten guys. It, you know, no matter how you place them. But the, to to negate Lamar Jackson, I felt was kind of an insult because Chris he was an MVP in this league, and. And in that season, and these people are like, oh, well, and I get the whole running thing, but that year, Chris, here's the thing. He didn't, he had 36 touchdowns to nine interceptions. He had a four to one touchdown interception ratio that year. Now, you look at the, like, he do for 3,000, yes, and he ran for a lot, and I get that. But that's the direction of where this league is going. I think we, we punish Lamar because we think he's a running back. But yet he, that season, and I think every season after, he heard everything that we're saying and said, you know what, I'm going to show these guys that I can throw the ball, and he proved it that year. Now, the problem is Baltimore didn't, didn't have the receivers. So what So what they did, they traded for Marquise Hollywood. You know, they got rid of Marquise Brown. They got rid of him. But yet... You know, Rashad Bateman could be a guy who I really like. So he might be asked to kind of step up and be the number one guy. They still have Mark Andrews on this team. A healthy, let's say, if J.K. Dobbins is healthy. If this team gets healthy, they're dangerous. And I understand the sentiment where people say, I get with Lamar. When it comes to the contract, if we saw the money that Kyler Murray got, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson is worth more than that. And people are like, look, and, and, because it, it feels like to me, Lamar gets slighted simply because we have this 
we have this thing about him being a running quarterback. And I'm like, look, for the early part of Russell Wilson's career, he had another choice but to run because he had no offensive line. And when I look at this situation now with Lamar, like I say, he was an MVP in this league. And I feel like we disrespect him. And, and once again, I don't want to, you know, to bash the bash Dak train. Because like I said, I already got the whole Kirk Cousins thing a couple years. But I just feel like with Lamar and with this Ravens team, the only real question mark is how this defense is going to come out and play. Because Baltimore is known to play great defense. And if they can come out and they drafted Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton at an absolute steal in this draft, falling down the board, to kind of fit into that Ed Reed mold, pure ball hawk, knows where the ball is at all times. This defense, if they can play, they don't have, Chris, they don't have to be a top five defense. If they're a top 10 to 15 defense, it's a Super Bowl team. And I've always said that we have to look at the criteria on for that. Is where for defenses, you don't have to be the 80, the 85 Bears. You, or you'll be the, the 2000 Ravens. If you could be a top 15 defense, given the way offense has kind of supplanted defense. So if you're a top 15 defense, you're in the conversation. And if you look at the regular season, you look at how the defense has played down the stretch, like, you know, Cincinnati's defense last year, eh, but they got in on the backs of that great offense. So something has to give in that department. But to kind of, to me, my order is that I, I like Baltimore, Cincinnati, you know, at the time of recording, I will go with Pittsburgh. It's and, and I will go with the tradition. The Cleveland is yeah, the quarterback is but it's a matter of it's just abling and I just think I just kind of think that we don't sleep on Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh is not gonna play off. But if if they with Pickett or even Risky, they still got Najee Harris. Deep, you know, they still got Patrick, you know, and they got still TJ in your face. So it's still a solid team. So that's kind of my order there. The first real division we really everything else we've kind of felt like I say, chaos is good. So to wrap up our to wrap up our, our NFL around the horn divisions, we'll go to the NFC North, which has had a lot of change. It kind of feels like for every team is going in a certain direction. Some up, some down, kind of just going your straight line, horizontal, vertical, whatever you want to feel about it. But before I get my thoughts on it, Chris, give me your thoughts on your predictions for the NFC North. Uh, so same thing. I'll start at the bottom and then work my way up. So uh, at the bottom, I have got Detroit Lions. Um, they're there. I mean, they're a professional team somehow. I'm not not really sure how, but uh, here <laughs> they got to figure something out there in uh, in the Motor City. Uh, I mean, Coach Campbell's out there doing everything that that he can um you know i think the most important question that he has is can i make jared goff work 
I think unanimously, can I make it work or should I start shopping or looking for uh, uh, the hit the reset button on a rookie? Based on Goff's previous performances, um, I think that, again, we can agree that it's not going to be well. Um, I've only got them going uh, – three and 14 this season. I've got them just bottom of the barrel. Um, they just don't have a lot going for them. Defense isn't there. Special teams isn't there. Offense, you know, they just, they're in disarray. They were hanging on by a thread with Matt Stafford. Once he got out of there, he, uh, he chucked up the deuce and said, man, don't go past eight mile. And took himself down to Malibu, and uh, well, I, I don't think he regretted that move by any shape, form, or standard. Um, I think that the 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 entire situation of Detroit revolves around who's going to be at the helm as quarterback. Is it is it Goff? Is it someone else? And I, I think that's going to be the most important thing that uh, that Coach Campbell's going to have to figure out this season. Uh, moving up the ladder at four and thirteen, as you see, I've got some really, really low predictions for some of these teams. Yeah, so so I've observed. So <laughs> you know, is is the Chicago Bears? You know, they're a loyal fan base. They are a loyal, loyal, loyal fan base, man. When I was up there last week, you know, uh, you, you, they're out, they're out and about. But you know what? They understand that they're. Just they're in a situation, you know. Uh, you know, last season they went six and eleven. Uh, I I got them bumping down to four and thirteen. Uh, Justin Fields last season went two and eight in his first ten starts. Um, he did show some some promise, but towards the end of the season, the problem is, is that promise came from uh, from Darnell Mooney, and he's going to be the number one wide receiver for Chicago. But the problem is, is that I know that, and I'm not a, an analyst for a, a defense for a, a professional NFL team. So if little old me can figure out that, I think that these multi-million dollar uh, defensive coordinators can. <laughs> so they're just going to lock him up. I mean, he's got uh, uh, some other options there, but not, not a lot, you know, at the end of the day. Um, I think that, uh, you know, a new head coach, maybe he could try to mix it up a little bit, try to figure some things out. But at the end of the day, I just don't see how Chicago can do. I just, I don't believe in Justin Fields at the end of the day. Um, I, I think that he came in with a lot of hype and he hasn't showed why he deserves that hype. I think last season, I think it was during preseason, when he said that, you know, uh, that college was harder. And then I think like the next play, he ended up getting racked with a concussion uh, in preseason or zero. So I, was, I remember something vaguely along the lines of that. And it, it was just one of those like, oh, oh shit moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the movies, it pauses and you're like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And you're probably wondering how I got here. Let me yeah. show you. I think that's one for him. Um, and maybe it knocked a little bit of humility into him, but, you know, one can see, but again, Chicago, they just, they, they just got a lot of work that, that they need. And I think that they're still not, they're not the 85 bears. I guess we'll just leave it at that. 
Uh, moving up into the second position of the NFC North is the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so they've probably got the well, statistically, they have the toughest schedule of the NFC North in terms of opponents. If you look at their win percentages uh, from the 2021 season, but I think that this could be a team that can really go somewhere this season. Uh, I, I think the feeling that I have for, for a few players in the league is the feeling that you have for your favorite quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Uh, I, I <laughs> you know, when it's my turn, I, I'm going to say something on this show that I probably maybe for the second or third time on the show that I, I, I may have to say something about Kirk Cousins. But I don't want to steal your 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 shine. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> you know, so here's the thing. So you look at like where the the situation is, and and, and you start looking at the stereotype former Washington Commander Redskins football team, whatever we want to call them. Look at where there's this, those assistants have made it: Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. You know, uh, this is Kevin O'Connell. He is a Washington assistant that could maybe there's like some lucky genie lamp they rub on their way out of of, of FedEx Field or whatever it's called this year. And maybe that's what Sean McVay has turned success. Kyle Shanahan, I think we can say, has turned success. So maybe Kevin O'Connell can uh, continue that tradition. You know, the Vikings, they went eight and nine last season. And I don't think they were a bad team. I think that poor decision-making was made in the box and on the field that led them to that 8-9. and At the end of the day, you, as a a DC, you call the play to your your on-field captain. He relays the play to to the rest of the defense. And that's it. You really don't argue it unless if you've got to call uh, uh, some type of audible where he calls a defensive scheme – that you're just not even going to remotely match up to. And you may, you may take things into your own hands at that point on the field. Same thing as a quarterback. You get the play call in your helmet, in your earbud. Uh, you relay it to the offensive line. You get up, you line up, and you, you let's say you're going to run a, a, a you power inside run. They've stacked the box. They've, they've pulled the linebackers in. You damn well know they're going to blitz. You can easily call an audible and run a cross route, and you're going to have somebody wide open. Um, with the Vikings, I think that there was just so many bad calls. It, it, we can almost mirror it like the Florida Gators last season. They had the talent. They arguably had the talent to go somewhere. But Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham's play calling is what put them in these positions of failure. Uh, and I think that was the same situation with Minnesota last season. So I think this might be the, this leadership shakeup might be what was needed uh, to, to get over. I've got them going 10 and seven this season. Um, you know, I, I think it's very well possible based on their schedule, um, based on their capabilities. They've got talent. They've Kirk cousins. As long as he's not playing on a Monday night, he's a consistent quarterback. Justin Jefferson is definitely a top 10 wideout in the NFL. Uh, Dalvin Cook, if he can stay healthy, I think can be a massive asset. And then let's not forget Adam Thielen is still hanging out there. And and he was uh, a big-time guy that uh, 
you know, that, that was there when Stefan Diggs was also running amok in there. So I, I, I think that the Vikings are kind of like that sleeper team that you really need to watch out for this season. I think they'll come out and I think they'll surprise some people. Um, and, I, and I think that they're going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch. Um, at the top, I think Green Bay is still going to kind of reign supreme for the meantime. So I've got them going 12-5. and five. Um, I think even though Devontae Adams parted ways and went out, you know, to, to go to other places and other faces, um, I think that uh, Green Bay made some nice additions in the receiving core. And I think that Lazard, I think, will be one of those guys that he's going to lean on now compared to that Devontae Adams. Um, I definitely see potential. I see some capability and capacity. Uh, I think a lot of it relies on Aaron Rodgers. And then also in the next segment, um, I'm saying this as a team Green Bay will do well. I will be, I'll be, uh, uh, I'll be moving on to the individuals here in a little bit, but I still think Green Bay holds on to the top of, of the NFC just because of their entire team. They, they have a good defense. They have good special teams. And I think they can stay consistent on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I I, I agree with, with that. And we'll start with Green Bay. In my opinion, I think the biggest challenge this season is going to be Aaron Rodgers with those receivers. Because, like, if you think about it, not only does he have Lazard, he still has Randall Cobb there. So he, he has that safety blanket in Randall Cobb. And then they drafted that Christian Watson from North Dakota State. You know, they got Jerron Winfrey, who, who I like. So that's going to be the question. That's the biggest question mark in Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers is kind of the – and, I, I, and I, I don't like using this comparison. I may get flack for it. But it's, it's kind of like with LeBron in this regard. Aaron Rodgers does not like to play with inexperienced players. He likes veteran teams, especially veteran receivers. And not only did he lose Devontae Adams, he lost Scantling, who went to Kansas City. And I argue if Scantling stayed, he would have been the number one over Lazar. But, but to your point, I think 12 and 5 is a good record. I, I would argue maybe 11, 6, 12 and 5. I think it kind of, you know, there's always that sleeper game. But so that's kind of like, you know, the plus or minus. I always, I always use the margin of error like plus or minus two when it comes to win-loss records, because I always factor in those one or two games where you're supposed to win, you lose, and when you're supposed to lose, you're supposed to win. So so I have no problem there. Minnesota, to me, this is where I have to say something about Kirk Cousins. Because, look, I took a whole lot of stuff. about. I've said a lot of things about Kirk Cousins. i said a lot of things about a lot of quarterbacks on this show. I've done this show for three years. I've said a, a lot of things about Dak Press. I'm pretty sure I've said things about your quarterback. If you run, if you want to go back into the archives of this show, we have equally insulted all 32 starters. No question. You know, I don't know if it's a Guinness record type thing, but I am pretty sure we've done it. And what I will say about Kirk Cousins, and I'm going to say this, and this may shock people, I believe that Kirk Cousins is going to have an MVP like season. Because of the fact, well, whoa, whoa, yeah, okay, yeah. Whoa. Let's get this. Let's get this man some water. Let's get this man some whoa. water. Let's make get this man some alcohol and some water, please. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 can you 
I, I think my ears may have deceived me. You know, you here's why I believe that. Mike Zimmer was not built for Kirk Cousins. Mike Zimmer was fired. Not because, because to your point, the decision-making, they lost. It reminds me of a few years ago with the Los Angeles Chargers where they lost so many close games, games with leads. They just couldn't either hold on to it or they just couldn't find a way to close, you know, close, whatever, whatever the, the line of thought is. And that's why Mike Zimmer lost his job. Because I think it just got it, it just became a feeling where there, this team was going nowhere. The defense was was building itself, but the offense was doing great. But the uh, I could have made a case they could have won double digit. They could have won a lot of games if not for Mike Zimmer and the coaching decision, because defense is his calling card. But the reason why I say Kirk Cousins may have an MVP like season, Kevin O'Connell, you know he was Sean McVay's offensive coordinator at for the Rams. And if, if you look across the league, the Sean McVay effect, to your point, it, you know, I think the Sean McVay effect is going to happen. You see it with Zach Taylor, who's the head coach at the Cincinnati Bengals, took the team to the Super Bowl. So you see these things, and I look at Kevin O'Connell. That's why he could be a, a coach of the year sleeper candidate well as well. Because look at what he has. He has Kirk Cousins. He has arguably a top five receiver in Justin Jefferson, who I could make a case for. And like, if, go look at what he did last year. He's going to push two thousand yards receiving because this offense is not going to be your 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 mother or father's Minnesota Vikings offense. Like, and and I, I'll, you're you're the fantasy guys. So I, I don't want to tread on your tread on your toes there on that, but. It kind of feels like, well, how does Dalvin Cook kind of fit in? Because I think they're going to still run the ball. But I think you're going to see this ball in the air a lot more under Kevin O'Connell because of the way I look at how Zach Taylor's team, how, how I look at the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, who has Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. So I, I kind of see it in that perspective. Now, it's honestly, this is the downer part of the show. But <laughs> for legal reasons, I'll, I'll talk about the other two teams. But this is what. But I think Detroit does not finish last in this division. I don't know whether it's the hard knocks. I don't know whether it's Dan Campbell. But sometimes, Chris, we can't quantify things by wins and losses, especially when you're a team that's been the Detroit Lions. I think what I saw last year compared to what I've seen from previous Lions teams, especially the ones over the last, you know, four or five years, is, is that they're learning to win. You know, they're, they're, they're sticking around in games, you know, and which is always important because you stick around, you always have a chance to win. And to your point, I don't know if Jerry Goff's the answer, but what I will say is this. If Jerry Goff can play up to be the number one overall pick like how I know he can be, the Lions could be a team. They're not going to win the division or may not have a winning record. But they're going to win a lot more football games because I was impressed with their draft. You know, they went up 800 and they solidified a good defensive piece. You know, and they still got they still got Amaron St. Saint, Saint Brown. They got TJ Hawkinson. 
They got DeAndre Swift. Like, the, the, these are some viable names on that offense. And, like, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, can get this defense to improve in year two. The Lions are – the Lions may be back maybe the next two to three year. Could be as early as next year, depending on what they do in the draft next year or how they play this year. And then I got to talk about the Bears. Chris, I, I, I've seen, I, I, we've all seen a lot of football in our lives. But what I saw this offseason from the Chicago Bears was absolutely awful. They did absolutely nothing to invest in a guy like Justin Fields. If this is the guy that you traded up and you gave up a pick, you, you gave up assets to trade up to draft this kid who you thought was a great value, so you traded up and you got him. He's your franchise guy, and you're, you did absolutely nothing. And people are like, well, I don't want to hear it. Jacksonville, look at Jacksonville went out this offseason and got Christian Kirk. They went out and got some – they they're building around Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, no, the, the the equivalency that I can make, and we're we're gonna go take a quick history lesson. We're gonna rewind back into uh, Central Europe in the mid to late thirties. Justin Fields is the Polish Army, where they're essentially using bolt action weapons and swords on horses. And every other NFL defense is Nazi Germany with machine guns and tanks and, and fighter planes. Fields, as, as much as I criticize Fields, number one, I think Fields is an overrated player. I said that when he was in college, and I still say it to this day in the NFL. I don't think he was worth trading up for. I don't think that he's worth what they put up for stakes. Maybe he can prove it this year, but he's not going to because he has no one to protect him. That kid is going to run for his life, and then on top of that, he has no one to throw it to. Yeah, see, see, and, and that's my point, and and that's the point I'm making. It is that Chris, they did nothing to invest in him. You have to invest in your investment. If you do nothing, if you sit there, and you yeah. let's just if you invested money into a business, and you're doing nothing. I'll say this. I love the show Bar Rescue. I'm a huge fan of that show. That's a pretty good show. And and when John Taffer goes into these bars and he just reams the living you know what out of the owners. Why? In a in a to put it in an umbrella, it's because they do nothing. They're sitting and they ask them how much they invest, Chris. We're not talking no 10, 20, 30 grand, Chris. We're talking six figures. They've invested into that business and they're and they're squandering it. And what's worse is that they allow it to happen. That's how I feel the Chicago Bears is. That's how I feel, Chris. And I'm going this rant, but I'm gonna say this before we go to fantasy. What I've seen for the Chicago Bears, yeah, Matt Nagy deserved to be fired because he I don't know what the hell that was. Yes, fine. I'm good with that. And I'm not even blaming the new coach, Matt Eberfloss. This is not on Matt Eberfloss. This because this is his first season. Chris, this problem could have been prevented. And I've said it once and I've said it again. And it's easier to fire the coach than to fire the person who's really at fault. And that's the general manager. 
Ryan Pace should have been fired well before he was fired. We've seen this in businesses. People are like, why did that business fail? Not because the business is terrible. It's because you let someone who runs the business is terrible to let them stay a year too long and let them just have another year of destruction of their false, you know, of their, you know, Keystone Cops nonsense <laughs> to destroy the team. And you're, which Chicago, listen, this is coming from a Falcons fan. I'm the same dude who said Demetrius should have been fired before he was fired. Why? Go look at, I, I'm, this is not the episode to do it, but go look at Thomas Demetrius' draft picks. I tell people, you remember that Jamal Anderson kid, that defensive, t- yeah, he's not, on the, yeah, exactly. You remember those guys he drafted? Yeah, no, me either. I don't either. Here's the problem. If you're Justin Fields, and whether he turns out to be, you know, whatever the feeling is about Justin Fields, we can't change the fact that the Chicago Bears invested in Justin Fields. We can't change that. Moments pass. But Justin Fields will not have a chance to succeed. And this is why I say people got to understand, stop calling people a bust if they don't have a chance to succeed. Because this is on management. And then, yes, Justin Fields has to show up and do something. This is not, he's not out of the picture. But to the point, Chris, he might as well have a fence. He might as well have one of those wire fences like you have around your house. He might as well have that to protect him because whatever's going to protect him this year ain't going to do it. And at the end of the day, I just don't see success because, and this is no disrespect to Darnell Mooney. Let me put that out there. When I ask people this, can you name a receiver outside of Darnell Mooney on this team? No. Outside of Darnell Mooney, who's the second wide receiver? We all know who number one is, but who's the second receiver on this team? Is it Cole Komet, the tight end? Is that is that the guy? Because that's it. Listen, hey, I'm a Falcons fan. That's the same thing we're dealing with now because Drake London's going to walk in as wide receiver one. But in this case, reverse the roles. Kyle Pitts is probably wide receiver one, but he's yeah. playing tight end and Drake London's wide receiver two. If you're tight end, if he can be the second best receiver on your team, but you better have talented a talented receiving core to kind of supplement it. And that's the thing. We could, I said, all like, look, look Travis Kelsey. Yeah, he's probably one of the, the probably maybe the second best, you know, now that, you know, Tyreek Hill is gone. But Kansas City there went out. Talent spread around Kansas City. Exactly. And that's the thing, Chris. Right. That's the, that, yeah, and that's the whole thing with me is that it just, it was because now they went, they got Juju Smith Schuster, and then they got, they still got Nicole Hardman. They went and drafted Sky Moore. Like, it's not all about. For Chicago, I'm just going to say it like this. Just do better. Good luck. When I look at this roster, it's not – Matt Eberfloss took this job, and he better damn well understand this is a this is a rebuilding job because if you can't name another receiver on your team besides your wide receiver one, that's a problem. Yep. I don't care. Like, you like you could – I just name – I don't care. You could name one other receiver, and you can't. And Justin Fields is going to be the – he's going to suffer because of the ignorance of this organization. And there are some loyal – and there are loyal fan. the Bears are a loyal fan base. 
and they have to deal with this nonsense. Because listen, I'm a Cubs fan. I get in the city of Chicago. You got to deal with nonsense ownership. When they say they don't have this and that, you know they're lying. But you know, I'll get off the horse. And and, and getting out of the city of Chicago, fine city, by the way. But to go from futility, let's go to fantasy. And last week we covered we covered a we covered the do not we covered the the no no list as I like to call it. I call it the no no list. But now this time we're gonna hear Chris is taking Chris is gonna take the wheel and he's gonna give you his talk this week on fantasy. He's gonna give you some sound advice, good stuff. Chris, take it away. So I can so, calm myself down. So on this go around, um, I decided uh as Ladarius and I were kind of planning the show, uh, we are going to go on the sleeper and bust list. It's like I gave you people to just completely stay away from. Now I'm going to give you some people that to, to look out for, maybe pick up late round, or maybe you might be able to just get your grubby paws on them immediately, or people that you would think that are going to have these awesome seasons and, well – you know, things, life happens, I guess we'll say. So, starting with quarterback sleepers, uh, a couple of these guys we actually just talked about. Uh, first and foremost, one of the top sleeper quarterbacks I have on my list is Kirk Cousins. Uh, you look at ESPN, CBS Sports, he is rated, going to have astounding numbers this season in PPR leagues. Um, you look at, at most of these charts, when I started doing my homework, he's up there on every single one of these lists. Uh, another one we talked about last week is Matt Ryan. He's been appearing on more and more lists because of he now has essentially an offensive line that will protect him for more than 0.4 seconds. Uh, another one that I'm throwing in, two, two I think that are going to be curveballs. One I think is going to be uh, Trevor Lawrence. You look at the back half of the season last year, uh, Trevor Lawrence's numbers, just like Zach Wilson, went through the roof and very and very unrecognized. Because if you're a quarterback and you go and you throw 300-plus yards a game and you still lose, it makes you look bad. Now, in fantasy, and us diehards for fantasy that aren't Jacksonville Jaguars fans really don't care. We care about those 300 yards and those two touchdowns that he throws. Yeah. Everything else is trivial at that point. So I think that Trevor Lawrence, is, because what Lavarius touched on earlier, he is going to have that – they built this team around him. They got more people to throw at. They've got a healthy running back. They have an offensive line that I think can do more than just stand up and stare at and, and pick butterflies. Uh, another one that I think is going to have a, a breakout because of the addition to the receiving core is going to be Derek Carr. I think that Derek Carr is going to have uh, – uh, he's got uh, Hunter uh, Renfro. He's got Devontae Adams. And with the loss of what's-his-face, I don't even honestly feel him bringing up his name just because of, of the atrocity that he committed. Uh, but with, with with he that shall say unnamed uh, being incarcerated for, for vehicular homicide, uh, I think that Derek Carr will bounce back. He has the tight ends. He has, he has more than one receiver. I just named two receivers, actually, that he has. What's one more than we can name for Chicago? Um, I think that he's going to have uh, a good season. I think he's going to play well. Uh, I definitely think he's going to be one of those guys you might be able to pick up late round as maybe even a backup quarterback that you can turn and sell for some some good trade bait down the road. 
if you get into a jam and you start maybe a running back goes out or a wide out goes out, he's having a fantastic season. Someone might have a marginal quarterback. You could trade out Derek Carr and get like a nice solid WR1 or RB1. Quarterbacks to stay away from this season. Uh, I have number one, Kyler Murray. He was all the rage last year. I do not think he's going to be it this year. Um, just look at the situation in Arizona. That speaks for itself. Uh, another one is Aaron Rodgers. Those are are the two major ones that I'm showing serious concern about. I know I just talked about how Green Bay is going to win uh, the NFC North at 12-5, and five, but to win a division is a team sport. You need offense, defense, special teams. To succeed in fantasy, you need an individual player to play well. And I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is still going to do good. Don't think that he's not going to do good, but he's going to be a bust compared to the past four to five years that you've drafted him. He's been successful, and he's typically done an outstanding job. I don't see that happening this year. Um, the other quarterback that I have on the teeter-totter list is going to be Joe Burrow. And the only reason I have him on there is because of, of him just going outright insane last year. He's on notice now. He is on watch. People are looking at him, and they will do everything they can to stop him. He's young. He's ambitious. And like I said, he has everything to prove and nothing to lose. They came from nothing. They're still nothing. They still don't have a title yet. His job is to put a Lombardi trophy in the, the, the office of the Cincinnati Bengals. Moving on to uh, running back sleepers. Uh, so at the top of the list, this is something that I think a lot of people uh, are going to pass on the draft. And I think that there's a reason why. So there is a, a team in Texas that I think we've all heard of. It's called the Houston Texans. Uh, and well, we really haven't had a lot of nice things to say about them, um, well, at all. So I actually have something nice to say of them. So in the fourth round of the draft last year, they picked up this guy. Don't know if you know his name, Ladarius. His name is Damian Pierce, and I believe he came from that uh, swampy school in Florida. I'm familiar with his work, yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm familiar with his work. So Damian Pierce came in. Uh, I expected him to get drafted a lot higher, to be honest with you. However, his workload was always minimized because of, again, Dan Mullen's poor play calling. I don't think that Damian Pierce got the the utilization that he should have. I think if if, if there was a coach with an intelligent decision-making capability in Damian Pierce's career, I think that he definitely could have went late first round, early second round. I even think he had the potential to be a top 15 at the end of the day. If you look at his work ethic, his speed, his power, his route running, his catching, he has all the things. He could be a backfield pass catcher. He could be a blocker. He could be a runner. The dude could essentially play fullback if he needed to. Some of the runs in college that he made, he looked like Mike Allstott just trampling middle linebackers and laughing about it. I think he's going to be one of the biggest sleepers because he's going to go unnoticed or you're going to get guys like me or maybe people that listen to the show that are going to write this down right now, and they're going to pick him up late stage in the draft, and they are not going to regret it. They are going to have an outright fiasco with him. Uh, another one I think is going to be uh, Travis Entian Jr. from Jacksonville. I think with the situation that he ran into last year with injury, he's going to come back. He's going to have himself a good time. I think that he's going to play hard. I think he's going to play fast, and I think he's going to give – 
a tool of utilization that Trevor Lawrence did not have last year to open up the play action, open up the RPO and all these other gadget plays that, that Trevor Lawrence has the ability to run. And then with NTN, he's going to be able to run those. He's going to get a lot of touches and he's going to get a lot of yards. Uh, AJ Dillon from green Bay. I think because of the loss of, of Devontae Adams, if you can't use your air force, you rely on your tanks, you rely on your ground pounders to really get out there and push it hard. And I think that those are going to be uh, a, a, a good setup for AJ Dillon. So if you have him on your team already, maybe as like a, a legacy dynasty league, or if you're in an option, I think he's going to be a solid RB1 candidate, at least an RB2 minimum. I think he'll still have an amazing year. Uh, and then last is Elijah Mitchell from the San Francisco 49ers. I think with the shakeup of the 49ers, I think that we're going to see a lot more play uh, from Trey Lance. And I think that that's going to open up uh, the situation for Elijah Mitchell to come through and get some touches. And I think he's going to do a, uh, a good job on that. Now, on the bus side, I guess I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way just to, to soften the blow for Ladarius. Uh, Cordell Patterson, I think, is going to be a bust. They, they know he's capable. If they see him line up, they're going to stack the box. They're going to try to plug every hole they can and hope to God they can hold on to that man. Um, I think that his days are numbered. They have a situation where they have Marcus Mariota, which I we covered in, in a previous show. I, I'm still not a believer in him just yet. And then as a backup, they have uh, essentially a straight a straight up rookie out of Arkansas with Felipe Franks that has, has also been lining up as a tight end and taking snaps as a tight end in practice. I don't really know where that's going to go, but I guess more shall come. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, another big bust is going to be uh, Nick Chubb from the Browns. I think just because of the Browns season this year, honestly, any key position player, uh, uh, Amari Kube, any of those guys, I'm sure I'm going to talk about them here later in my notes. Uh, if they're on the Browns, I would avoid them like the plague this season. See what happens. Maybe pick them up uh, next season. Uh, James Conner for the Arizona Cardinals. Again, I think the Cardinals are going to be in a self-detonation mode this season. I don't see him doing well either. I think that with all the hype, it's going to fall. And we'll we'll see what happens. Now, moving on to uh, wide receiver sleepers. So now I'm going to say a nice thing about an Atlanta Falcons player, which seems like doesn't happen very often. Uh, Drake London. I think Drake London's going to have a breakout season. Number one, because we're in a situation that we just talked about. Ladarius, who right now, three seconds, essential RB1 for the Atlanta Falcons. Go. The RB1? Oh, wow. Well, you not WR1. I'm sorry. WR1. Uh, it would be Drake London. Yeah. Or Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. That, that, that was, well, that well, was, well, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. But like I said, I'll just say this. I'll give you back the, the microphone. I think we just talked about it a few seconds ago or last week's show where I think like Drake London to me, I think he can have a thousand yard season. I don't think that's the issue. It's just that with Kyle Pitts, don't be shocked if you see Kyle Pitts line up a little bit more at wide receiver this season because they did cut, the Falcons did cut Auden Tate and Jerome Allison, two other receivers who they brought in this season. So don't be shocked if you kind of see Drake London and Kyle Pitts. But to your point, I expect I do expect Drake London to have a little breakout season before, especially from a fantasy for a fantasy perspective. Absolutely. Um, another one that's really going to break out, uh, Russell Gay, former Atlanta Falcon, uh, go in Tampa Bay. I think that he, especially with the absence of Chris Godwin right now, 
So you're going to have Mike Evans and Julio Jones as like your, your two circus acts. And then Russell Gag is going to be that, that guy, that, that nose to the stone grinding dude that's going to get out there and give 100%. He's given 100% on every team he's ever played on. He's a very underrated wide receiver that I've spoken about many, many times on the show that still doesn't get enough credit. So I think that this is definitely going to be the year that he's going to break out. He has an excellent quarterback thrown to him. He has a supporting cast that can absorb coverage. And he also has an offensive line that can protect the pocket long enough for the quarterback to 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 get the ball on his hand. Uh, Chris Olavey from New Orleans Saints, I think, is going to have a, a, another breakout year. I think that if if Jameis Winston can perform, Chris Olavey will have a great season. Uh, and then I'll just leave it at that. I think one of the most improving sleepers this season is because of the huge upgrade at quarterback is Jerry Judy with the Denver Broncos. Uh, Judy essentially had uh, just uh, a shotgun throwing a ball at him in, in, in most senses. Really wasn't didn't have a lot of accuracy or a lot of happy things going on with him. I think with Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl winning, highly experienced, managing game managing quarterback, not only is Russell Wilson athletic, but one of the things that I think you and I talk about on the show all the time, Russell Wilson knows how to manage a game. And that's something that people often forget. And he knows how to do it very well. Uh, I think another breakout is going to be Marvin Jones Jr. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, I'm almost going to be a, a, a Duval guy. Duval! Uh, I think that he's going to have a sleep, a big sleep uh, sleeper season. He had one last season. I talked about it. People laughed at me for drafting him until they played me, and he was putting up a really reasonable amount of points for WR3, like WR2, almost WR1 status. And people are like, wow, how the hell did that happen? I think it's going to be even bigger this year with NTN coming back. That, again, opens up the play action. That pulls a safety down because now you have a, a, a running back with lightning speed that you anticipate that ball to be handed off to him. That draws your strong safety in. That leaves that whole backside of the field open for a fast guy like Marvin Jones Jr. to get up, snag a ball, put it, put and put six on the board. Another sleeper, again, and this is, you know, I'm going to piggyback off of what uh, Ladarius said is Adam Thielen. Even though Justin Jefferson is the, the the circus show act, Adam Thielen is still there at the end of the day. Adam Thielen has always been a productive player ever since he's been in Minnesota. He's done well. He continues to do well. And I think this season is going to be where he really comes out. Now, on bust, I'm going to have some big names on here. You're going to think of me that I'm an outright psychopath. Number one, DK Metcalf. When you have Geno Smith as your quarterback, don't expect much. DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett, I'm sorry, boys. You should have took the money and ran and got yourself out of Seattle. There's a lot warmer and less rainy, depressing-looking places with less homeless people. Um, Seattle is not it. Uh, Geno Smith ain't going ain't gonna to cut the bread for him. And that's something if I would have said last season, DK Metcalf is going to be a bust, I would have been crucified, persecuted, stoned, whatever we might be into nowadays. Uh, another big bust is going to be Amari Cooper going to Cleveland Browns. Yes, Jacoby Brissett, as as uh, Ladarius pointed out, he's a consistent journeyman. He's not, Amari Cooper's not going to have the season he had in Dallas. No way, no way how. It just, it's not going to happen. Uh, Michael Thomas for the Saints, I think we can unanimously agree that that's just an accident waiting to happen. His attitude, Jameis Winston's attitude, and just the Saints being in disarray right now at Alvin Kamara uh, not being in the picture – 
I think that that's a whole situation there that that's going to unfold in not such a nice way. Uh, the other big bust I'm going to have is Tyree Kill. Again, this is a person, if I would have said last season, Tyree Kill is going to be a bust, I would have been thrown in the funny farm. Uh, same situation. You have Tua Tugalova, unproven, constantly injured. I don't trust him. I think that uh, he's going to make some great money in Miami, uh, Tyreek Hill. I don't think his numbers are going to prove he will not be the Tyreek Hill of last season or the season before the season before that. I'm just just saying. Uh, last but not least, uh, I've got our tight end sleepers. Uh, again, I'm really hyper focusing on the on this show. I feel like on the Vikings, one of my top uh, tight end sleepers is Irv Smith Jr. from Minnesota. Kirk Cousins, they have the potential. They've got the coaching staff now. I think something's going to happen there. Something has to happen there. Uh, another big blowout that I think should end up on the sleeper list where he's going to have a great season, health pending, is Logan Thomas. If the Washington Commanders can keep this man healthy, he's big, he's fast, he's agile. He can get the ball in his hands, and he can go places with it. I think he will do well. Again, circling back to Chicago and the complete disarray that they're in there, we talked about Cole Komet. Outside of Mooney, Cole Komet is the only stable person that has the hands to catch a ball. I think that's going to increase his looks. It's going to be red zone. He's big, he's burly, and he can get up there and grab it. And I think we're going to see a lot of use out of him. I think that might be Justin Fields' little safety blanket, just like Kyle Pitts was for Matt Ryan last year. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, for the tight ends, I have Evan Ingram at the Jacksonville Jaguars. With all these pieces coming together, I feel like Jacksonville has something special in the making. I don't think that they're going to come out and win a Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't even think I had them going 500 this year. But I think the individual players are going to start getting themselves out and about, and you're going to get this unison together. And I think that's where it's going to go. Uh, for busts, uh, Darren Waller, I think that his looks are going to get cut down because of Devontae Adams there. Devontae's big, and he can reach, and he can grab, and I think that's going to do a lot of things. Uh, I think uh, Mike Kosicki from Miami, they've had him lining up more as a blocking tight end, so I think that's going to cut down on his touches. Uh, Hunter Henry out of New England, I, after Gronk left, it's like they forgot the position of tight end, and like they retired it. Um and I don't know what they're going to do with that. Uh, and then last but not least is Dawson Knox out of Buffalo. I think with Stephon Diggs and I think with the offensive maneuvers that uh, that Buffalo is, did in the offseason and what they're doing right now, I think that Knox is going to be more of a blocking tight end and, and not a, a hands-on catching tight end. Um, so those are my just straight out power position uh, sleepers and busts. I hope this helps. I know some of you drafts are coming up in the next week to two weeks. So good luck. Unless if you play in any league that I'm in, then I hope you absolutely suck. And I hope I beat you. Um, good luck with it. If you got questions, hit us on the social medias. Ladarius has all that info. Uh, hit us up. If you got questions, we'll, we will happily try to answer You know, and for 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 the most part, the questions will be about Chris. I, I get no questions. I, I I'm just the guy who comes in and just show up with the microphone, and yeah, that's all I do. But but to Chris's point, if you have any questions throughout throughout the season about fantasy likes, dislikes, what likes or dislikes, whatever, 
follow us on social media. You can follow my social media at Ladares underscore Brown on both Twitter and TikTok. Follow Instagram at Ladares double underscore Brown. Go to our Facebook page for our Sports in the World podcast page. And this season, I'll be adding, I'll be doing something different. I'll keep it under wraps. I won't go into specifics. That's how I am. And you can follow Chris at, at it's Christogram on Instagram. Catchy, catchy, catchy man that he is. And his Twitter's at I've never heard of Twitter. I've never heard of Twitter. <laughs> or he's using using UFC Twitter. I don't know if Dana White knows about it. But, but I thought it was for UFC. But no, it, it's Chris. It's fine. No, it's just me. It's, it's me undercover. <laughs> but but once again, going to the fans before we call it a show, I, I think it's interesting because only thing I, – I do have a question. Yeah. And I don't know if I should ask it because we are – I mean, we're – Two leagues together, so I don't know if I should ask the question. No, I don't want you for, <laughs> for the people. For the people. For the people, yeah. So you mentioned how much I love Russell Wilson, and you mentioned how I, you know, how I feel, you know, about all that jazz. Now you mentioned Jerry Judy. How do you see the fancy outlook for Cortland Sutton? How how do you see it for Cortland Sutton? I'm, you know, just off the top of your head, it doesn't have to be nothing numerical. I think that he will be a mediocre middle of the line player. I think that Russell Wilson is going to add a dynamic of aerial attack that I think Denver truly hasn't had since. God, I I, I can't even tell you. I, I I'd argue John Elway. Yeah, jo- yeah, John Elway. Yeah, I mean that's the, honestly the last time they had that talented of a player and consistent of a player at the helm. And like I said, Russell Wilson also knows how to manage the game. Uh, I think that he will still be a relevant player. I think that he will be in that number two slot. Uh, I I don't know if he's going to have this blowout season, but I definitely, he'll still be relevant. That's someone you have on your bench and he's a plug and play for a flex position uh, or or one of your main hard chargers are, are out on an injury or a bye week, he's going to be the uh, uh, the, the plug-and-play. That's very interesting. I was just very curious because I I, I just, for me personally, just because I know Jerry – I expect good things from Jerry Judy. I, I really do. But I'm just curious, you know, about the other half on the other side with, with Cortland Sutton there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that he's definitely going to get looks – I think that for yardage, I think in a PPR league, I think that they'll both do well. But I think if I have a choice between Judy and Sutton, I think I'm going to stick with Judy at, at the end of the day. But if you if you need like a, a WR3, Sutton would be the guy. Or a flex player in a jam, he would be your guy. I mean, he's only 26, so he still has some good legs and life on him. He's all he's six four, so he can get up there and get that ball too. So let's not forget about that. Um, he's a decently bodied player, so he can box somebody out if he has to. Um, but I, I still think at the end of the day, he's going to have to really work out uh, uh, to to prove himself. I mean, he, you know, he played at SMU, he did good there, but I still think he's going to be in Judy's shadow. But you know what? With a Russell Wilson type quarterback. I, I think that if we would have said that Julian Edelman would have been leading the league in, in yards or close to the end to it, we I think we would have got laughed out of studio. But 
it happens. So, I mean, anything can happen when it comes to, to with, with a guy like Russell Wilson. I would definitely, if you have the opportunity to draft and get him, if anything, he could be, like I said, a plug-and-play or he could be trade bait if need be. Absolutely. And like I said, I'll probably post something on Instagram or Twitter, maybe on Facebook, to drop your questions if you have anything fantasy football-related, anything like that related. And, you know, we get to make that as a segment on the show. And which would be which would be fun to hear from you guys because you guys make the show. And if there's nothing left on the table, nah, man, I'm good. So for the socials, one more time at Ladarius underscore Brown on both Twitter and TikTok. But season TikTok, I'll be doing game previews for a couple of NFL games this season. I'll probably let you let the fans decide that as well. Also, check me on Instagram at Ladarius double underscore Brown. Facebook, check out the podcast page. Be posting questions, posting comments, anything that you want. It'll be there. And once again, Chris at his Christogram on Instagram and at UFC Twitter. Don't let at Dana White know. And yeah, Mark. And until you hear from us again, I'm Ladarius. I'm Chris. Be real. Be you. Be blessed and be safe from all of us here from the sports and the world podcast. See ya.